Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called The Faith that's based on the book of Titus, a letter to Titus from the Apostle Paul. Pastor Sean is now in chapter 3, the last chapter in this short book, with some good advice on how to give the gospel a good name. Sean will share the secret to being different, but it takes you seeing yourself as a new creation formed in Christ's image. That's the game changer. Reallife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. It's a place to give at reallife.org. Today, it's part two of the message called A Reminder. Pastor Sean is in Titus chapter 3 and closes in Revelation chapter 1. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. The secret to being different is understanding how you've been changed, how you're changed, understanding what God did. See, we are not the same. This isn't just me, same old me, trying to now follow a different set of rules. It's like, oh, I, I was forgiven, thank you Jesus for that. Now give me your rule book, and now I'm going to operate and do that to my very best, I'll try to be disciplined, I'll try to do what I can, and I'll try to follow those rules instead of the old rules. That is absolutely not the way this works. We need to understand who we are in Christ. We need to understand our identity in Christ. The scripture talks about our identity, who we are, because we are different, we are changed. It's not about me being more disciplined. It's not about me just developing some new habits. Disciplines can be great. Habits can be great. But the fact is there's something greater going on here. I love the way Paul addressed it in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. Look what he said. And we often quote one of these verses a lot, but we miss some of the context. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. It leads us, it guides us, it motivates us. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. His death, when I receive that gift, when I confess my sin, invite him in my heart, his death literally stands for mine. He stands in my place. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. His resurrection was a game changer. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's such an important understanding. We regard no one according to the flesh. Here it is, not even myself. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't regard you according to the flesh. You are so much more than just your flesh, your impulses. Something has changed in you. We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, in other words, okay, because of all that, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, we throw this passage around all the time. We quote it kind of casually, glibly. Oh, yeah, new creation, new creation. I think sometimes we don't understand what it's really saying to us. This isn't symbolic. This isn't just a nice, happy thought. This is the truth. You are different. You are new. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been filled with his spirit, you are different. You're new. The old you has died, died with Christ, and the new you has been resurrected with him. I mean, some of you need to really grab this. In fact, I want you to do something. I don't do this a lot, but I want you to do something. Turn to someone and tell them, I am new. Do it. Oh, that's really nice. You sound real, real enthusiastic there. Man, man. I guess I'm new. Huh? I know I look the same, but I'm new. It's like I, I want you to tell somebody, 
So maybe you'll believe them. Okay, here's something else I want you to do. Okay, I want you to turn to the person who just told you that you're new, the person who spoke to you. Okay, I want you to turn to them and say, you're right. You're right, see? And maybe you'll believe them. Feels like sometimes you don't believe me, but maybe you'll believe them because we got to get this. We got to get past this kind of just, you know, throwing this around and not really letting it settle in. You are a new creation in Christ. Your spirit is different. You are filled with his spirit. It's different. You've been changed. There is a new reality. And with that new reality come new motivations and new power. That's the gospel. That's what the scripture says. And some of these things that Paul said to us that seem so countercultural, they seem so difficult for us, they seem almost impossible. I want to say, in light of this reality, we can think about them completely differently. See, the secret to being different is understanding how I'm changed. Okay, a couple ways that we can look at that. First, I can be submitted because I know who's really in charge. I can be submitted because I know who's really in charge. One of the biggest things that makes it hard for us to walk in submission is fear. We walk in fear. I'm afraid, well, well, but, but I don't trust this person. I don't trust this government. I don't trust this leadership. I don't trust this company. I don't trust this. So I'm going to, in fear, I, I can't submit. I got I to gotta do my own thing. I got to do it my own way. Verse 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. I can be submitted because I know who's really in charge. See, here's the truth. And when you are changed in your spirit, when you're filled with the spirit, you understand this truth. Ungodly leaders, ungodly systems, ungodly governments will not have the final word. They will not have the final word. You see, our God, the one whose spirit dwells in you, the one who empowers you, the one who is changing you, he is on the throne of heaven. He is king and he is eternal. Do you understand that? Look at how John writes about it. In in Revelation chapter 1, there's this great picture. Remember, John has been imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos, okay, by the Roman emperor. Okay, talk about a, 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 a exercise of power. He's a total victim. He's in prison. He can't talk to anybody. He can't do anything. And all of a sudden, John has a vision. And he has a visitation. And he hears a voice. And look what it says. Begin at verse 12. Revelation 1. He says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. Well, he's got a long robe and a sash. It's got to be Jesus, right? There's more. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Well, maybe not the humble, lowly Jesus that we kind of imagine. This is different. When I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death 
and Hades. John was his friend. John walked with him for three years as his disciple. John knew him. John was one of the closest people in the world to Jesus. But he saw him as he truly was. He saw him as the king. And he fell on his face like a dead man because he'd been in the presence of God. Do you know that this this response is actually fairly normal in Scripture? In Genesis 17, Abraham has a visitation from the Lord, falls on his face before him. In Ezekiel chapter 1, the prophet has a visitation and the vision of the Lord, falls on his face before the Lord. In fact, in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel doesn't even see a vision, it doesn't even in front, it isn't encountered by the Lord, but by his messenger Gabriel, and he falls on his face before him. I think we don't understand who it is that fills us, who it is that resides in us. I think we sometimes give too much power to all these other powers and systems and governments and authorities who are temporal. They are temporal and they are not ultimately in charge. They could have no power if God, our God didn't allow it. And see, it changes things when we understand who it is that we serve. Do you understand who you serve? You want to understand the power of God over human affairs? The book of Daniel is a really good read. Because you see Daniel with these different governments. He serves like four different kings. And, and in each one, he's this government, he's really a slave, but he's this government official who God gives authority, gives power, gives influence, and who God uses. And you see the sovereignty of God over nations, empires. And when all of a sudden when that hits you, and you understand who we serve, submitting to governing authorities isn't such a big deal since you know they're not going to have the final word. See, I think one of the problems is we don't see God correctly, and one of the most important things in the world is how we see God, how we see him. You understand this God that you serve, this one whose spirit dwells in you, is the creator of all things. Nothing exists without him speaking it into existence. He is majestic, he is exalted, he is high, he is all-powerful. He is God, he is king. And what's interesting is in Ephesians, Paul writes that Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, that God has given him the name that is above every other name, and that at the name of Jesus, here he's, he's saying what's going to happen, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't think about the ungodly world leader, government leader, the ungodly business leader, or think of the godly leader, world leader, business leader. It doesn't matter. Everyone is going to acknowledge Tongue confessed, you are the Lord. Your knees will bow before him. That is just the truth because he is the king, the one and only. No peers, no equals. That's who you serve. That's who's in control. That's the one who is saying, I want you to submit to these governing authorities, understanding they don't have, they aren't all powerful. And, and what's really important is that even if you are under an ungodly authority, you understand God can still work in spite of them. God can remove them if he needs to. God can go around them. God can go through them. He can do whatever he wants. In fact, I want to say this, and this is so important. There is no one who can screw up what God wants to do in your life but you. You know that's true, right? No one can screw up what God wants to do in your life but you. And the only reason you can do that is because he gave you free will. He gave us the freedom to reject him and to reject his work, to be disobedient. And we use that, obviously, to our own peril, our own destruction. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called A Reminder. 
It's in the series, The Faith, based on the book of Titus, which is available on demand right now at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find that Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a very simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better, we call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road, across from Otama Park. Sunday service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out everything you need to know, visit us there at reallife.org. We look forward to seeing you at River City Community Church. And now the conclusion of the message, a reminder. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. When you understand that, it's like, oh, God. So I'm really submitting to you because you're really in charge. That's what submitting to authority means. See, the secret to being different is understanding how I'm changed. I'm a child of the king. I'm filled with the spirit. Second thing, I can be kind and generous because I have freely received his kindness and generosity. I can be kind and generous because I have freely received his kindness and generosity. Verses four through seven, lay it out for us powerfully. He says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, in other words, appeared to us, which if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have experienced that. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, that's the goodness and the kindness of God that I freely received. Jesus told his followers that, Matthew 10, 8. He says, freely you've received, now go freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. Understanding how much I've been given, how much I've been blessed, how much God has done for me, opens up my heart and my mind to freely be generous and kind to others. It really does. It's an absolute game changer. When I understand how much I've been forgiven of, when I understand what God has forgiven me of and how completely he's forgiven me because of the cross of Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, his death on the cross taking my just death penalty that my sins incurred. And Jesus paid that. Just because I confessed and said, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me. When I realize how much I've been forgiven of, it really makes me be more forgiving towards other people. When I realize that how fully I've been saved, by my Savior. When I realize I've been filled with his spirit and the joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control, the gifts of the spirit, when I realize that I am filled with that, it makes me want to be more kind and generous. When I realize the provision, how he's always taken care of me, he's always been good to me. When I realize the community that I get to live in, the Christian community, you know, Jamie gave a great picture of just how the kids at River City and young people are loved by people, but, but that's not just the kids. I mean, my kids were loved by children's people here 
at River City. I'm not sure Mr. Bob was around with Ryan, but he was close. I mean, really, Mr. Bob's been doing this a long time. And he's like, I, I, when he walked up, I said, you're a legend, Mr. Bob, because he has been. I call him Mr. Bob. It's weird, okay? His name's Bob, okay? I'm an adult. I can call him that. But I've just known him for so long as Mr. Bob, you know, because my kids knew him as that. But he's influenced generations of kids, and I've been a, my family's been a beneficiary of the people of this church and the community and the friendships and just the gift, all of it. We have an inheritance. We're sons and daughters of the king. How, look how much we've received. I think, I think sometimes we have a hard time extending gentleness and kindness because we don't realize how much of that we've been given. And when I do, it changes how I look at those who rail against me. It really does. It changes how I see them when I realize the love, the compassion, the kindness that I've received at the hands of God and through God's people. It changes. I still don't like it if someone's setting themselves up as my adversary or my enemy, if they're saying hurtful things to me or about me or someone I care about. I still don't like it. But it totally changes how I see them. And I'm able to kind of look with his eyes, eyes of compassion, and see a little bit more what's happening. The secret to being different is understanding how I'm actually changed. Third, I don't have to defend myself because he's my defender. I don't have to defend myself because he is my defender. See, one of the things I'm really bothered by is I think Christians, by and large, have become defensive. In this culture, we've gotten almost this fortress mentality or this, this kind of, this we kind of, we have a bunker and we try to, try to find safe places because the, the culture feels sometimes like through what's communicated, through media, through other different places that like we're under attack. And whether that's true or not, Scripture says I don't have to be defensive because he is my defender. It specifically instructs me not to take revenge because it says vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. In fact, it says instead, what I want you to do is I want you to love those who persecute you. Love those who are your enemies. And he says, and in so doing, those who abuse you when you love them, he says, you, it, it's, you show them kindness. It's like heaping hot coals on their head. And as I told you a while back in a message, it's, it's not like that was a punishment, like, well, I'll get them, <laughs> you know. But rather, the carrying of hot coals in several of the cultures of that day represented repentance. A person who says, I was wrong. And this sign. And in other words, you are helping facilitate their repentance. Have you ever experienced that? I'm going to be honest with you. As, as a pastor, um, I have a probably larger than normal uh, target on my back. Okay? You, we all have targets on our back by some people, right? There's always people who want to take a shot at you. They want, you know, it just is part of life in a fallen world. But I think as a pastor, I, th- I think, you know, you're up in front of people. And it's understandable. You're up in front of people telling them what to do all the time, right? So, you know, some people like to take shots, okay? Sometimes I've defended myself with mixed results. Sometimes okay, sometimes not okay. But there are a few times, and I recall them, where I recognized what was happening, and I remembered, wait a minute, I don't need to defend myself. I'll let the Lord take care of this. Lord, I leave this with you. If there's something you need me to learn from this, if there's some truth to this, let me learn it. But Lord, I'm not going to embrace or kind of ingest this criticism and this 
attack. It is fascinating to know how many of those people, some maybe within weeks, many not, years later, have come back and said, I am sorry for the way I treated you, the way I spoke about you. It wasn't you. It was something going on in me. And you represented something to me, and I lashed out. And to realize that by not defending myself, but by leaving it in God's hands, I literally became part of his plan to help bring them to repentance and to help them overcome a hurt and help them grow into more who he wanted them to be. There's something very powerful. Look how David wrote about it. David, in 2 Samuel 22, this is also, he wrote, wrote about this in Psalm 18. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of his enemies in the hand of Saul. By the way, his enemy was actually throwing spears at him trying to kill him. Not, these aren't words that Saul was throwing. Here's what he said. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you save me. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced God protecting you? See, we don't have to be defensive. I I don't. I'm filled with the spirit of God. His presence is with me. He is my defender. He is my shield. That's a whole different understanding. And it's quite freeing. See, the secret to being different is understanding how I am changed, how I'm transformed. Last thing. I can pour out good works because in him I am filled. I can pour out good works because in him I am filled. He several times said good works, good works, good works. The whole point of this, that regeneration and renewal of the Spirit is by His presence. I am filled with the Spirit. And this is a fascinating thing, because good works, when we think about there's something in all of us that wants to do good works, and then there's another part of us that goes, yeah, but I can't afford to. I can't afford the time. We're so busy trying to fill ourselves up, or fill our life, or take care of ourselves, that we miss out on the good works that God's Spirit leads us to do and that we say, boy, I wish I could. When I get time, when I have more resources, when I don't have to be so busy over here, and we put it off, and we put it off. See, I can do the good works that God is leading me to do, that he's created me for, Scripture says, created us for good works in Christ Jesus. I can do that because I'm filled in him. I'm filled. Paul used the language in Philippians. He said, we're talking about specifically money. He said, I'm amply supplied. I have enough. The psalmist David wrote in the 23rd Psalm, my cup runs over. When we begin to understand how much God has provided, how much God is with us, how much he's gifted us, we'll begin to understand we are full. And the minute you say that, and just understand, the minute I say I am full, and I don't have to be about kind of always going to get more, always trying to get ahead, always trying to just get that little extra bit, the minute I don't have to do that, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of time, energy, vision, and resource freed up now to do the good that God puts in my heart to advance his kingdom and to bless people. Isn't that what Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 says? So, so many people live a poverty mentality. They think, I don't have enough, so I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. We live in this poverty mentality. When Jesus in Matthew 6 said, wait a minute, the birds of the air, they don't toil or spin or, or try to plant food or harvest food. He said, but Father feeds them. 
He says the flowers, they don't, it, those are the ones he said they don't toil or spin or make clothing. He said, but, but even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't clothed like one of them. Well, if he feeds the birds, and he feeds the flowers, doesn't he care more about you? Oh, you have little faith. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, the stuff you need, will be added to you. There's something about knowing I'm full in him and living with that perspective that frees me up to begin to fulfill the purposes and the plans that he has for me. It's a game changer. All because I am full, I am filled with his spirit. The secret to being different is understanding how I've been changed. I want to pray for you. and I specifically want to to point out one group of people who might be in the room. Maybe you're here and you go, man, that sounds good. It makes sense to me. I like what Paul wrote. I, I get it. But I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I've never done that. I've never actually asked for forgiveness. Never let him, let his death on the cross pay the penalty for my sins or invited him to do that. I've never invited his spirit to come live in my life. Well, I want to encourage you today, you can. He loves you. He created you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to make you a new creation. Why not today? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Faith, based on the book of Titus, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.